welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap Podcast. My name is Indira Chetty and I'll be highlighting some of the informative feature and news articles from the 29 October issue of Farmers Weekly. On the cover this week, you can look forward to reading articles on how to start a commercial farm on a tight budget, the 1 million rand plan. We explore alternative financing solutions for farmers. SA's shaky transport and water infrastructure could derail farming sector growth. Livestock nutrition specialist Dr. Francois van der Pfeiffer shares nutrition tips for growing your bull from a wiener to a top herd sire and a farmer strikes gold with saffron. Let's take an in-depth look at the main feature article. Is it possible to start a farming operation in South Africa in 2021 for less than a million rand? The answer is yes, no, and maybe. For this article, we created hypothetical farms. We limited the scope to pig, poultry, both layers and broilers, vegetables and lucerne. While experts quickly dismissed some of these hypothetical farms, others just might be possible. A few assumptions are necessary. The first is that the farm is in Gauteng, close to a market. The second is that the potential farmer does not own land and has no political means of obtaining land. According to Michael Corbett, FMB's head of agriculture in Gauteng, leasing land would probably be the best bet. Depending on size and infrastructure, this could work for a new farmer. Johan Kotzer, agricultural economist and CEO of the South African Pork Producers Organization, says that when leasing land, it is important to keep infrastructure to a bare minimum, as it will not necessarily benefit one's farming operation to build infrastructure on another person's land. According to agricultural economist and independent consultant Yan Doyong, when looking at these hypothetical farms, keep profit in mind. This should always be your motive. Through research, it seems pigs are a no-go option. It's incredibly expensive to start a piggery. Doyong says that the cost of the infrastructure needed to start a commercially viable piggery makes this option unfeasible for a million rand startup. To get the housing up and running for a single sow will cost around 85,000 rand. However, if a beginner farmer decides that money is no, no object after all and wants to start a piggery, it is important to keep an eye on feed prices as feed amounts to 70% of pig farming costs. Our experts are divided when it comes to broilers. Doyong says that it might be a viable industry as a farmer does not have to spend too much on infrastructure. There are many farmers who have carved out a niche for themselves, adding that a producer could raise broilers in a free-range setup and sell them live. Corbett, however, says that the figures do not support the idea of farming broilers on a small scale. Looking at vegetables, Doyong believes that vegetables are the easiest to get to market, but the type of vegetable is a crucial factor. Cabbages or butternuts, for example, could be profitable. He says farmers should consider growing vegetables that are not readily available and don't try to compete with mega farmers by producing tomatoes. When researching the feasibility of a vegetable farm, Doyong suggests starting at the end of the value chain and working backwards. And to conclude, Corbett says that after discussing the matter with farmers and other industry insiders and looking at financial feasibility, it seems the safest option is to start a... Unfortunately, we don't want to reveal too much info, so you will have to read the full article in the magazine to find out the answer. The next article will explore harvesting saffron in the Karoo. Did you know saffron is known as the most expensive spice in the world? 
The high price is partly due to the labor-intensive nature of production. It is predicted that saffron will be a 22 billion rand global industry by 2027. Saffron also holds untapped opportunities for cosmetic and medical developments. Benny Engelbrecht had always been looking for something unique to farm. That something turned out to be saffron, and it took him four years of research to be convinced that the spice could be grown successfully in South Africa. Engelbrecht says he was often questioned about the viability of successfully producing saffron in South Africa. His small trials in Johannesburg showed what a strong grow with the plant is and that the local conditions can work. From there, he imported a few bulbs and slowly grew larger and larger to where he is today, eight years later. Farming saffron on 2, hectares in the crew between Calvinia and Williston. Engelbrecht now owns and runs Safricon, which produces and markets saffron in South Africa and abroad. Engelbrecht says Safricon is structured on a franchise grower outgrower model. This is to project himself and prospective franchise outgrowers of saffron. According to Engelbrecht, saffron has huge potential for a farmer who has only a small piece of land or someone who wants to enter agriculture but is struggling to get access to a commercial-sized farm. There is also job creation potential due to the labor-intensive nature of the crop. Saffron is a winter crop and the growing season is between March and October. Harvesting saffron is labor-intensive. The flowers are, are hand-picked and then taken indoors with the three stigmata per flower are carefully removed from by hand. Engelbrecht says they only process the red parts of the stigmata as this yields the highest quality saffron. To harvest one hectare, a farmer would need to employ 8 to 12 workers in the first year, 24 workers in the second year and 48 workers in the third year. At this stage, Safricon's vision is to establish the crop as a commodity across the country and it is likely to perform better in some areas than others. He says their initial experience is that the crew is doing very well and the Northern Cape and Free State are promising. The only negative feedback so far was from KwaZulu-Natal and they think it is linked to the plentiful rain and humidity from the East Coast. According to Engelbrecht, there's a frenzy around saffron at the moment that needs to be managed carefully. While the global market for saffron is huge, the local market is still relatively small. And for the final feature, Livestock nutrition specialist Dr. Francois van der Pfeiffer shares nutrition tips for growing your bull from a wiener to a top herd sire. As bulls grow, their nutritional requirements change. Mature bulls use nutrients primarily for maintenance, whereas younger animals require nutrients to support growth, development, and maintenance. Nutritional requirements must be met in full to develop growing bulls from weaning onwards, but feeding a young bull a high-energy diet after weaning will result in rapid weight gain, which can create a host of problems such as a reduction in semen quality. In addition, an excessively fat bull will be lazy and unhealthy. Animals go through different phases of growth on the road to adulthood. It's therefore vital that the animals are fed according to the nutritional demands at the different stages of tissue development. Young bulls need rations that are high in crude protein to ensure the best possible muscle development. Muscle, which consists mainly of protein, develops rapidly at a young age, which makes the choice of protein in the diet very important. According to Funder Pfeiffer, 
The ideal is a natural protein sources with very little, if any, non-protein nitrogen feed. If the energy value of young bulls feed is increased excessively, the animals can develop reproduction problems such as fat deposits in their scrotums, which can cause a decline in their fertility. Van der Pfeiffer adds that the use of grains in young bulls feeding rations should be approached with caution as a high percentage of grain can lead to obesity. A young bull should be fit and athletic, not fat. Bulls should also not be allowed to become too lean as they will suffer from the same reproduction problems as overfed animals. In van der Pfeiffer's opinion, one of the biggest mistakes a breeder can make is to chase high growth rates at all costs. He says that the respective breed society standards should be followed diligently as far as growth rates are concerned. If the nutritional needs of a bull from weaner to yearling are not met, its growth rate will be reduced and this could lead to delayed pubertal development. Van der Pfeiffer points out that an animal's nutritional needs are determined by the physiological needs as well as environmental factors. Now let's head over to news. With fresh produce markets across the country being flooded with onions since the start of October, driving down prices, many producers face significant losses. Onion producer Louis de Kock, owner of Wilderclava near Barclay West in the Northern Cape, said the current prices were unstable as production costs had escalated over the past year, with the minimum wage growing 16%, electricity prices increasing 15%, fertilizer costs increasing 35% to 40%, and the fuel prices surging 28%. On top of this, farmers now had to foot the bill for the removal of onions that did not sell at the fresh produce markets. At the Joburg market in particular, Row upon row of onions had reportedly been left outside the market buildings as there was insufficient space to accommodate them inside. Suppliers of retailers had also been affected as retail outlets could not afford to charge more for onions than their co competitors did because customers would simply buy their onions elsewhere. An advantage of this is that consumers get used to increased consumption, usually resulting in a bigger demand for the product once supply levels have settled. The oversupply was attributed to Northwest and Limpopo farmers planting more onions later than usual because of wet conditions at the start of the year. The situation was unlikely to improve until January or February next year. The next article, Digital Era Holds Promise for Small-Scale Farmers. Speaking at the Agricultural Economics Association of South Africa's recent virtual conference, Professor Ed Mabaya, a research professor at in the Department of Global Development at the Cornell College of Agriculture and Life Sciences in the U.S., said e-extension services to farmers had boomed over the past year. COVID-19 created opportunities for the digitalization of agriculture. There was a surge in contact-free services and everything was done online. Governments were forced to go digital and provide services online, and e-extension services were some of the big winners in this regard. He added that research had shown that farmers' income had increased following the adoption of digital technology. He says, we're seeing an increase in knowledge, better farming practices, and more robust produce marketing systems. However, we've also seen that while smartphone penetration in Africa stands at around 80%, women are less likely to have access to smartphones and are therefore at a disadvantage when it comes to benefiting from digital technologies.
Mobaya said, since 75% of Africa's population was under the age of 35, the continent was in a favorable position to adopt new technologies. And in other news, don't miss our special local government election 2021 preview. We spoke to the five largest political parties, the ANC, DA, EFF, IFP, FF+, and one smaller new party, Action SA, contesting the upcoming local government election. Each party was asked how it would address weak local government performance, especially in rural areas. And that's it for this week. Remember to follow us and engage with us on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next time, stay safe and happy farming.